Pure Heart, the most famous band at the time in Hawaii. Back in 98, we released our first album and won a bunch of awards. And then 99, released our second album. And then by 2000, we were done. We have disbanded. So we go our separate ways and it's a long time. Yeah, we don't talk. Then after a while, it's like, I got to get it settled some way. And the only way to do that is to... So with all of your background for music and band, what would be your bits of wisdom for other people that are in bands now? You're always going to start off with... And then you went into real estate. Now you're a top producing realtor and you sell multi-million dollar homes. So what makes one realtor better than the other? That's a lot of things. I mean... So when you're mentoring the new realtor, what are the common things you're seeing that you have to teach, that each of them have to kind of learn? In the beginning, it's all... Greater Good Radio, Connect, Learn, Heal, and Grow is brought to you by Brain Gain Hawaii, a boutique executive recruiting, career development, and coaching firm. Learn more at BrainGainHI.com. So welcome to Greater Good Radio. We're here with John Yamasato. You may know his name because he's famous for being in the band called Pure Heart. Kind of the Hawaii heartthrob, teen throb, but island oh. music style. You know, I saw you from a distance when you first got started we in met. the public music piece as a um, entertainer in Pure Heart, like the most famous band at the time, I think, in Hawaii. At the time, it was very um, busy. You guys were in high school, and that was amazing. Jake Shimabukuro, one of the most famous ukulele virtuosos, he was launched from that as well. And then, you know, you went into real estate. Now you're a top producing realtor and, and you sell multi-million dollar homes. And you also have a podcast and the radio. No, high not, Sessions. Oh, High Sessions. Yeah, not radio, but but online yeah. and TV and so on. In fact, so. by the time this airs, High Sessions will be back on TV. Oh, there you go. So, what channel? So we're going to be on Kiku. What channel is that? K-I-K-U. You know, oh. it's different channels on different, depending on if you're oceanic or if you're spectrum. Or that's the same thing. Sorry. Oceanic or spectrum or Hawaiian telecom. Okay. So I don't have the channels on me now, but I know that we're coming back. So by the time this, this airs, we'll be, we'll be back on TV. What if it's like Google TV? Then are you on that? I don't think we're on Google. Well, YouTube, right? Okay. So, yeah. so you can find us on YouTube. That's where, that's where most people watch us anyway. So you just but, go on demand for that. Yeah. On demand. And then, yeah. And then the rest will be be on on local TV. Well, I mean, we're on the sub subject one. Maybe explain, like, what is High Sessions? How did it start? Why did it start? What is, you know? High Sessions is a music channel. It really just started as a YouTube channel, right? I was kind of yearning for outlet for music. And I'd already gone through my pure heart days and the traveling days with Dennis Kamakahi going all around the country and, and playing. And I thought, well, I, I got to stay kind of close to home because I have kids now. But what can I do musically that I can still do, but not take away from them? And then we came up with this idea for a video show. At the same time, at, at the time, there was no outlet for high definition video, high quality video for local artists, at least that I could tell. What year was that? This is 2011. Okay. So YouTube, I think, came out 2009, something like that. So yeah, so this is only two years into YouTube and uh, talked to my buddy Dave and I said, hey, you know, you're, you're a video guy. Do you think you can, you can do something with video if I bring in the artist? And he said, yeah, I think we can do something. We created the show. Not thinking we, we would do anything with it. It was just kind of like, oh, we'll just do it once a month and have fun and, you know, get friends over and 
that's what it was. And now it's just all consuming. Wait, but if you said you're going to just do it once a month and have fun, but you were shooting like five cameras and you had a whole crew and lights right. and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. is that what you were doing in the beginning or it was yeah. just bring them and... Yeah. Well, oh. was, okay. So Dave he used to be a web guy, Yeah. And, but he wanted to transition into video production. So I was like, hey, you can u- use this as a, a way to test stuff out. And, you know, so he went all balls to the wall on how to create the content because he he was learning, right? So it was exciting and, and he wanted to try to do something different and nice. And then the rest of the crew were all friends of mine that I thought, hey, they, you know, they're all music lovers. They w- would want to come and volunteer their time and hang out. And yeah, so it was, it was just a bunch of volunteers that got together. So And then was there a point Including where it became a business then? You know when it came a business? When I ran into you. Oh, okay. <laughs> A couple of years later, right? This is like 2013 or 2014. And you go, yeah, you can monetize these videos. And I'm, I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, you just flipped the switch. And all of a sudden, like, money started coming in. I'm like, oh, my God, we can actually pay people. So that's when it started. But realistically, I mean, to this day, everybody does it for a discounted amount. And our goal is just to make enough money every year to break even, you know, so... It's still not a money-making adventure, but yeah. What would you say is the impact of that show? Well, I mean, it's kind of funny because when I was doing that show, I actually had a revelation about my band because, you see, these things lag, right? Like, you don't know the impact you're making at the time, and then later on you find out what, because people then tell you years later, right? So as we were filming High Sessions, people would come in and be like, Hey, I used to listen to Pure Heart, and that's what got me into the ukulele. And now I'm here playing it, you know. And then, oh, I, yeah, I used to play this song. So a lot of artists would come in and say stuff like that to me, which made me think, like, wow, I didn't really. When we were doing Pure Heart back in the day, I didn't really understand, I guess, what we were, who we were influencing, because yeah, you know, it's pre pre internet, right? And then so like high sessions, yeah, we're just shooting these videos, but there's a bunch of other session type shows that have come out not even in hawaii there's this other show called sugar shack sessions they're very popular they're out of florida and they had written to us saying hey you know we saw your content and we wanted to make something similar so they're more like they do more reggae stuff you know like like southern california reggae scene and they've just taken it to the next level where they do like a lot of live stuff they're just more of a more production company for music you know but Stuff like that has has branched off from what we've done with the high sessions thing, so that's pretty neat to see. And and like I hope I hope we've set the standard so that I've seen over the years content get better on mm-hmm. YouTube, you know, for these musicians. So if you took high sessions as a whole and you said, okay, this is the most impactful story that I can say out of this, yeah, for an individual, yeah, let's say, then what would it be? Um, impactful story. Let me put it this way. It, it has been a very good learning experience as to how web works. And I'll tie it into Pure Heart as, as well in, in high sessions because those have been kind of, in the music field, at least my successes. You know, there's been a lot of failures, but those are successes. You know, when you have a, a passion for something and you're consistent at working at it, that is the attribute or the magic sauce that's going to make something successful you see because because a lot of shows came out after us right there was a, a bunch of tv shows that that came out and people would say oh you know there's a show that they're doing the exact same high sessions format Are you guys worried 
And I, I would say, you know, well, first of all, I'm not worried because we're not, this is it is a hobby, right? So and and my philosophy is is just getting the artist's music out there for people to see. So if someone else is doing a good job and and artists from Hawaii are getting out there, that's great. You know, like I, I don't have any problem with that. But at the same time, the difficult part is not creating a nice video. Anybody can create a nice video. Can you create four hundred nice videos over a period of a decade? And, you know, still have your crew and still be friends with everybody. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. that's the that's the challenge of any of these type of projects is how do you hold it together? How do you manage through all these, you know, troubles and, and problems? Is that, and so that was the big learning point or the insight, I guess, I got from doing all these projects. over the so, years. so maybe give me an example then. Like tell us a story about a time where you have a rupture and then how the repair went and so on. Well, okay, so we've had we've had a bunch of people come and go throughout the years. And so it's a lot of like finding people to take on different types of work that maybe they didn't in the past. I guess the big challenge every year has been financial. You know, like how do we... Because we do want to pay everybody, the crew, something. Mm-hmm. So we, we would sit down. So, you know, one year we did a Kickstarter. And then one year we did, we'd get a call from like a large corporation and they'd want us to do something. And uh, yeah, it's just a matter of like trying to figure out, okay, like how do we, how do we monetize this or how do we get around? I'm trying to think like the TV show was a big challenge because, you know, we had no TV experience, right? I think, I think what I'm trying to say is like, if you have the same crew that's been around for 11 years, yeah, like retention in any organization or business is hard. Yeah. So what would be, what would be the most important thing oh, that you learned in order to do that? Well, I think for me, it's all about prepping people and communication because for the so most... So setting the right ex- expectations? Yeah. You know, like I think most people are pretty understanding if they know what to expect. So in our company, it, there's no secret about what funds are coming in, what the project schedule looks like. You know, it, it's all laid out at the beginning of the year. This is how many shoots we're going to do. This is what's coming in. This is what we're going to pay you guys. And just being consistent with that. And the other thing is, I always tell the crew, like, uh, if you have an idea that makes money, that's going to bring more funds in, and you want to run with it, then we have no problem giving you a good portion of that Mm -hmm. funds. You know, like, for example, no one wanted to do the Kickstarter. And then one person finally said, I'll volunteer for that. So, you know, a good portion of the Kickstarter funds went to her because she did such a good job on the Kickstarter fund. But yeah, I, I mean, whether, whether it's high sessions or, or with even with the real estate and all that stuff, I think most people don't look ahead two or three steps and prep. And and that's when people get all, oh, what what the heck, you know, because they get caught off guard by whatever surprise you, you throw at them. And I think that's on the real estate side, that's what good experienced realtors do is they kind of prep you ahead of time so that you're not getting hit with these last minute aha moments that are negative. And similarly with high sessions, because I think we're so open with everything, there's a pretty good level of trust there. And uh, yeah, and everybody knows that the main focus of the project is not money-based. It, it is promoting the artists and getting the, the music out there. And, and so as long as they understand that way before they come into the the fray. So what you're saying is your mission is clear, 
Yeah. Your yeah. vision is clear. You want to set expectations as explicitly and clearly as possible. And then that's the main things. Yeah. And, are... and then, you know, and then prepping people, you know, like okay. ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. You, you say it so much better than I do. <laughs> when you guys did Pure Heart, uh-huh. right? You were in high school and then you all went your separate ways. Right. And then it was kind of a long period of time before some of you kind of even talked to each other after a, sure. l- a long period. Can you... Would you be willing to share about that kind of, you know, reconnection and how that came about and what it's meant to you and things like that? Yeah, you know, we were all very young at the time. And as you can imagine, there was forces from all sides pulling us in all different directions. Like what? Well, we had like, oh, toward the end there, we, you know, Jake was trying to do a ukulele school and... He was doing some solo stuff, and then I was working on some side projects. Lopaka is always Lopaka, so I probably won't talk about him. But he's pretty consistent. The guy just wants to play music and have a good time. He's never been difficult, you know. But there's just so much going on, and looking back on it, I mean, yeah, everybody had their own ideas as to what direction we were going to go in and stuff like that. And 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 anyway, so. So we go our separate ways, and, and it's a long time. Yeah, we don't talk. Was it a hard breakup? Yeah, it was very difficult, yeah. And and a lot of hurt feelings and stuff like that and, and whatnot. But, you know, I guess I guess they, they say, you know, time, time heals wounds or s- stuff like that. And I just never felt like we had completed what we were planning a, to do together. <clears throat> you got to understand, I mean, Jake and I were friends from way before that so and we were very good friends you know like he would sleep over my house all the time we would stay up all night talking story about what our goals were and what we had planned for for us and and the band and stuff like that and uh, so when that all fell apart it was tough you know like it was tough and he was there doing some hard times for me too because i was still in high school when he was in college you know and you have your high school dramas and things like that so so anyway after a while it just became one of those things that you didn't you didn't talk to somebody for like a year and then it goes two years and the next thing you know it's just been seven years you haven't talked to somebody you know life is weird like that because when you're young you feel like you know when you you friends graduate from high school you go like oh man we got to still keep in touch and you know we're going to see each other all the time and they move away to the mainland and then you see them during the summertime because they come back and they come back for christmas and after a while like they get married or they have a girlfriend and now they're not coming back as much. And then next thing you know, like my, my friends from high school, I see them once a year, twice a year, maybe, you know, but it's still, when you still see them, you're still friends, but it, it goes the opposite way too, right? You have a falling out with somebody, you don't talk to them. Next thing you know, you're moving on with life and so are they, right? And then next, it's three years, four years, five years go by and you don't talk to them. You don't think about them kind of thing. I mean, it's kind of hard with the PR because I'm always kind of in that same business. But but yeah, just it just kind of happened to be like that after a while. But it was really the, the high sessions thing that, that made me think about like, wow, I didn't realize we kind of meant stuff to people. You just think like, oh, people enjoyed the music and now we're done. And that's it. You know, life goes on. We do other things. But yeah, when I saw these other young artists that I thought were very talented coming through and they were like, hey, man, you you're the reason why I'm, I'm even here. I thought, wow, maybe I'm maybe I'm harboring too too much too much anger or something like that. So then, yeah, one day I was just in the neighborhood, 
I just walked up to, I stopped by Jake's house. I knocked on the door and then I'm like, Hey, haven't talked to you in a while. <laughs> you want to sit down? He's like, Oh, you just happened to be home. And so we just sat down and talked. And then that was the beginning of the, this next chapter. So you just knock on the door. Mm-hmm. He answers it. and It's kind of like, what? Yeah, he's like, oh, what are, you, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, I was just in the neighborhood and we haven't talked to each other in a while. So what, what are you doing right now? And, and that's me. Like, I'm kind of like, I'll do things at, on a whim, you know? And then, then what happened in, when you were talking then? So we started catching up and obviously both of us knew of each other's, what each other was doing. And then that was nice. And some months went by and then he had this like Jake and Friends concert coming up the next year so he said yeah you know do you guys want to you guys want to do that i said okay you know so talk to everybody and yeah we we ended up doing it and it's yeah it's good so now we just play kind of when when things come up and he's got his thing and i got my thing and lapaka's got his thing and everybody's doing their own thing but every once in a while we can get together and enjoy the music and yeah it's been a lot of fun so it's good so do you wish that you had done that earlier no, I I don't think so because I think when you have these type of very heavy emotional breakup, it's like a marriage, right? Like you gotta you gotta wait until everybody's ready, or else I think it all. Because honestly, at this point, everything that that happened in the past is completely squashed. Like I don't even think about it at all, and I, I'm pretty sure that the other guys don't either. We're like, it's it's a lot of fun, you know. And so, but I. I think if any of us were harboring some of those issues, then, you know, you'd have those kind of situations where someone says something, you know, kind of a side comment and then it festers into something else, right? And, okay. So, and you can stop me at any point in time. Yeah, but yeah. The thing that I'm curious on then is with such a kind of, a, you know, feelings are hurt and feelings can be hurt to the extent that there was feelings, right? So you guys are super tight. Yeah. And then you have a pretty strong rupture, like... Like, what were the important pieces in there to come up with the reconciliation that there could be real forgiveness to happen? You know what? Like, no one, I don't, I don't ever think we ever said sorry to each other or anything. I just think enough time had gone by. It was just understood that whatever happened before, that's, we're just, that's just done. And then we're, we're moving forward from here. And, and I, I don't know how Jake is and I don't know how Lopak is, but, but I'm very much like that. Like, I can get very upset and but if if we if there's an agreement like okay we're cool now then we're we're cool and that's it that's just a line that I I draw and it that huh. everything else is forgotten <clears throat> so it kind of depends on the person too that's actually a kind of an interesting characteristic because you know a lot of times people will just try to sweep it under the rug yeah because they don't want the conflict right and right. then but it's still live. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Which makes it uncomfortable. You know, that could be in any type of relationship. Yeah. So, yeah, that was I was curious on that. Uh, yeah. So, just my personality is like, say I'm going to buy a car. I'll do all my research, you know, and I'll kind of like think, think about it, think about it, as it dwell on my mind. But like once I decided like, oh, okay, this is what I want. I'll just walk into the car dealership and be like, this is what I want. And I just buy it. Like you don't have to, you don't have to sell me on on anything. So like I think similarly with uh, relationships in my head I'll do a lot of like analyzing and thinking about it. But once I've decided like hey, we're we're cool, even Dave. So 
Dave is my partner in high sessions. And uh, but when the whole thing with Pure Heart was going down, he was, he's friends with all of us, you know, he was there from the beginning. And when all, all of it was going down, I was telling him, like, we were having this one conversation at some point. I said, Dave, do not get involved with this. You know, this is, this is very, very touchy, you know, and stuff like that. And he was trying, he was trying to be a good, good person. And he still got it, tried to get involved and get things back together and stuff. And then I didn't talk to him for like a few years, you know. To Dave? To Dave, yeah. Oh, what, well, you weren't doing high sessions or? No, this is way before high sessions. Yeah. Wait, Dave, who you do high sessions with is the same, is with your friend from high school? Oh, yeah. I've known him from high school. Oh. So, oh. so yeah. So the way we, I okay. met Dave was Pure Heart played at his, so he used to have an internet company back in the day when there was still dial-up. So he oh. owned a company called Internet Advantage. And we played at their opening. And then because we played at the opening, I wanted to learn how to code. And he wanted to learn how to play guitar. Mm -hmm. So we made a deal like, hey, I'll come in and I'll teach you guitar if you teach me how to code. And uh, we both don't know how to do... Well, Dave knows more guitar than I know coding. So I guess I guess he got the better deal. <laughs> oh, so Dave was trying to like... Like we do mm -hmm. a lot of times when we see our friends have a, some type of rupture. And then it's like, oh my gosh, it's painful for us. So we want to jump in and yeah. fix this and yeah, solve yeah, it. Same yeah. way with like our kids or our family and so on. And then because he was doing that and you're like, nah, 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 don't do it. Is then you kind of cut him too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Which makes sense. So there was a lot of like, you know. How did that repair then? Yeah. Well, then I thought about it for a long time. And then, you know, a couple of years had gone by and I thought, yeah, Dave's a really good friend. Like he's, he's very important to me and I don't want him not in my life, you know? So I just called him out of the blue and I'm like, hey, you know, this is why I was upset, but I'm not upset anymore. And if you're not upset with me, if you're cool with me, like, I would like to repair this friendship. And he said, yeah, I I'm, I'm cool with that. And then after that, like, never came up again. <laughs> so that's interesting. So, uh, yeah, so I'll dwell on it in my head. But at a certain point, I'll, you know, I'm kind of weighing, you know, whether this person is, you know, important. I'm asking on that because it's kind of yeah. me. It, like, as I'm contemplating on this, I actually have a very close friend who we're kind of, not talking right now mm -mm. and constantly go back and forth between should I do this? Cause to me, it's like this is a misunderstanding and, and it's like, you know, the, all the mental gymnastics that go on with it. So well, I'm, I'm debating on and I what guess I'm doing it, with that. I too. guess the way I look at it is like, if, if it's eating at me, like on a, Oh, every day I think about this one. Yeah. Then after a while, it's like, I got to get it settled some way. And the only way to do that is to either, and I have a hard time, like, you know, people can just forgive internally, but I have to, like, forgive them, like, face to face. Mm. There have been friends or people that I've known over the years that maybe I don't want to keep the relationship there, but it's still, there's something unsettled. And, you know, we'll we'll talk and we'll we'll cool it out and we're all cool. But then I, I don't continue the relationship, you know. It's just, but but it's it's something at least I put on the side and I can move on. And it's not still tying me down mentally. I mean, yeah. that's the whole thing about forgiveness too, right? Is that right. you don't have to move similarly or so on. You can just settle it and then then you and, decide and I, at that point what you want to do. Yeah, and I think that that's what helped with the, with the Jake and all that kind of stuff was because I think because enough time had passed and we were both, I mean, he, obviously he's on this very good trajectory in his, his life, but, but at, the, at this point, even I'm, I'm, you know, I'm settled in a new career. 
I have other musical things that I'm doing that are very fulfilling and stuff. So it wasn't like when we get back together, it's not like I have to tie my myself to him or something. Or we have to do things together. You know, it, it, we can say we're cool and we, we can go. We have our own paths that we're going. And we can we can jump in at any time and be together. But I think if there was this like dependency mm. where like I was forgiving him because I wanted to get into his on his coattail or something like that or wanted to be then that's not the same that's right? disingenuous right yeah, yeah it's yeah. like an agenda yeah so so i felt at that point you know 14 years later that yeah enough time had passed and we're, we're we're on our own things that neither of us would be doing this because we needed someone something from the other one wait how old are you i'm 45 oh 45 yeah because yeah. i'm 50 now so i'll be thinking well you know some of it i might just forget because, yeah, yeah, because yeah. I can't remember anything that's these days. The, you know what I mean? So <laughs> that's true. A lot of and a yeah. lot of it gets foggy after a while that's too, like, right? Like you're like, well, sometimes like, what? Why was I upset with this person? Or you know, or what happened with this? But so yeah, that's when it gets when you're like, I know I, I, I'm I don't like them or something. Yeah, but I don't yeah, remember yeah, yeah. why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it could be something so dumb. You know right, what I mean? At right. the time, so yeah, I spent yeah. a lot of time contemplating in this area. And I think that's part of being being a young person, and you know. You're trying to find your your path, and you're competitive because everyone's competing for mates and money and power and stuff. And at a certain point, you you, you hopefully you're comfortable in your own skin, right? Yeah. Although when I hear that, when you say it's like mates and power, I mean the underlying piece that I see is like people are competing with themselves to get out of shame. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, the yeah. feeling of I'm bad, something's wrong with me, I'm defective, someone's judging me, that kind of piece, right? right which right. is to prove yourself. And the hard thing is that when you get to like our age, right? Which is this age we call middle lessons, 45 to 60, right? The okay. opposite of adolescence where your hormones go the other way. Right, right, right. Your life right, changes right. the other way. You come in out of the workforce and that whole deal. The accomplishment stuff doesn't work anymore mm. to, to kind of get out of it. Right. And then what's left is the work. Which then, that's why I'm asking so many questions on, on that one, because these are typically questions that well, come and up in the conversations that I have. The music business is really difficult because you're publicly ranked. And, you know, like everyone's, you know, when you're, you're doing your own, you know, if you're an electrician or something, you can kind of, you're doing your own thing and not too many people know exactly how successful or not you are. You can kind of, but in the, in the music thing, it's like very. It's like entertainment, right? Yeah. You're always in the public eye, so it's social media before social media. Yeah, so, so it, yeah. it's 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 different, you know. You know, I think maybe for anyone who is not familiar with Pure Heart, how would you describe that, and how did it form? We, we're a trio band. We do most mostly cover cover music, but because of the instrumentation, we have a guitar, ukulele, and percussion. I think we kind of take our. To me, we're inventive as to how we structure our music around these <laughs> these older songs and things like that. And back in 98, we released our first album and won a bunch of awards. And then 99, released our second album. And then by 2000, we were done. We have disbanded into... Although we had been playing since 94. So when the albums came out, we were, you know... It, it felt like we came out of nowhere and... and we're fast, you know, high and down, but but we had been playing for a long time before that, you know, a I, lot. <laughs> well, you guys were how old when you started in '94? I was six. Wait, yeah, sixteen. 17, okay, so you started. 17. You guys all started mm -hmm. kind of like sophomore year or something like that. 
I was well. I'm. A, I was a sophomore. Jake was a senior, and then Lopaka was a was the only one in college. And you guys met how? So I met Jake because we were in student council together. I always tell everybody we have like the nerdiest Hawaiian music story ever. Yeah, and I, I used to see him carrying his ukulele. And when I met Jake, I didn't even I hadn't even played an instrument yet. I mean, I I kind of did because the guys at school were playing ukulele, you know, trying to sing and stuff. So I was like, hey man, where do I get an ukulele? He's like, oh, you know, go to Kamaka. So I got a Kamaka ukulele, and then yeah. And then, and that's how that's how I started was mm-hmm. getting. And so he and I then started playing together. Then, uh, to make a long story short, Jake started working at the House of Music in Ala Moana, and Lopaka worked there. So he would talk to Lopaka and play. And then he said, "Oh, I have a band with this guy John." And we brought Lopaka in actually to, to teach our current percussionist how to do more. And then once I saw Lopaka, I'm like, "Whoa! Why do we get this guy in the band? Like he's great, you know?" So we ended up getting asking our Percussion. The percussions that we had was just like my friend who was like, well, I'll play, but he had no idea what he was doing. So we asked him to step down and put Lopak in there. And then, you know, it's funny, like we had a bunch of people come and go over the years, but it was just us three that, that always kind of just worked. Like we never could find a guy that stuck, you know, for the fourth guy. Why? I guess like we had a guy that was a bass player that was good and he could he could sing background vocals. So that was good. But then he wasn't from this. He was from another and he had to moving back. And we had a, just a, another few guys that came in. Personalities didn't match. We had a couple other guys that came in and they just you could you can tell, right? Like there's guys that want to play because they like the idea of being a musician. And then there's like musicians that just play because they have to. Well, how do you get tell to- that? Oh, you can tell because you you see the level of improvement expo- exponentially get better because they're playing all the time, mm. right? And then they come to the practice, they're they're ready, they have new ideas, they try to contribute, right? Versus guys that they learn the songs, but then they just do do the same thing all the time, right? It's just like anything. I mean, like if you you have a craft, you have a skill and an obsession. Yeah, in a session, right? You're not going to settle for, like, you're a woodworker, right? You, you frame windows. Okay, that's what you do during that. But probably if, if you're, like, really into woodworking, you're going to go home and make pens mm-hmm. or make a table or something. You know, you can tell the guys that are, because they'll come to the, the show and be like, hey, well, you know, what if I tried this? Or I have this idea for that. or And that's where it, sometimes it leads to problems, right? Because sometimes the ideas other people don't like and then they get into but those are the ones that are the real, to me, musicians. It reminds me, I was flying home from Japan when my wife and I were recently married, so like 20 years ago kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we were, I was watching this guy next to me, and all he was doing was watching on his laptop music, and he was doing music stuff on his computer, and then he was had headphones, he was going, like the whole time, I was like, oh, wow, man, I noticed that you're, you're pretty into that music. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm super into it. I go, yeah, are you guys in like a band or something? He goes, yeah, yeah, we're in a band. I was like, What's your band called? He said, "Oh, we're the Red Hot Chili Peppers." Oh my God, was it Chad Smith? I, I don't know. It was the long-haired guy. Oh, guy. oh, not the main Anthony Kiedis yeah, yeah, guy, yeah, but the, the other uh, guy. The, 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 he kind of looked at me like yeah. Red Hot Chili. Kind of looked at me with a face like you don't know who we are. But I was like, <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, I know who you are, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I don't know every band member's name, but and what all they look of them like. were were like doing stuff music-wise on the plane. They look tired, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. they're just doing it, doing it. So I understand that it's like. There's a difference between like passion, obsession, purpose, you know, and just hobby. 
right. cruising. Right. I go to band class. You know what I mean? Like, there's a difference. Yeah. So, so you, you, you can tell. As a musician, you can tell. Right. Yeah. 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 So, with that in mind, with all of your background for music and band and the whole thing, what would be your bits of wisdom for other people that are in bands now? Say, John, give us your top three most important things you could tell us about being in a band. Well, you're always going to start off imitating somebody, right? Like whoever your idol is or whatever. So like I like Billie Eilish, so I want to sound like Billie. So you do a lot of Billie Eilish, Eilish covers and whatnot. At a certain point, you're going to want to be creative. You know, you're going to, to step out of your comfort zone and do something a little different. That was actually what Jake and Lopaka brought to the table. I just always wanted to sound like the Kyle, Kyle Crater Boys. I wanted to be a Kyle Crater Boy clone, right? But they wanted to They're do... way bigger than you. Huh? No, like their size. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Those yeah, guys yeah, yeah, are yeah, way yeah, bigger yeah. than they're, you. They're, they're, they're yeah, definitely yeah. bigger. But, yeah. but, but then Jake always wanted to do jazz stuff. He wanted to do like Latin jazz, things like that, which I wasn't really into, you know? Like, and I was like, but, no, no, like, like, Troy Fernandez, man, Troy Fernandez. Mm-hmm. But... Because he, you know, thought outside the box and Lopaka's always trying to add these new rhythms and stuff, that's what made us kind of unique, you know? So instead of becoming a, a clone, I think we were, you know, something a little different enough that people liked it. So everyone's going to start off, like I said, trying to imitate somebody. But once you feel like you're comfortable with with that, you know, try to try to move it somewhere. Like try to put your own kind of spin on it, you know? And then the second thing is just, it, it's funny. I would say is treat it like a business, you know, show up early, be nice to people because those people are going to eventually be your supporter. Right. And and it's crazy, man. Like I deal with musicians all the time and it, it, it blows my mind. Like, especially like they don't call back, you know, you try to get a hold of them. They don't call back. They don't email back. And, you know, you're trying to do this or do that. And to be honest, though, with high sessions, I feel like something's happened in the world because a lot, everyone's much better now. And the the weird thing now is that a lot of people have, have management, which before, you know, you talk to Roby, like you're just talking to Roby, you know, you don't have it. But now, now everybody's got like someone that you talk to, which actually helps a lot. But yeah, you know, and I, I'm busy. I have a job. I have kids. I have high sessions. I have like four jobs, you know, and I call people back. So when people don't call me back, uh, that I, I, it bothers me because, I, and you know, if you do, you do enough of that, you know, unless you're like ridiculously talented, I mean. Then you're never getting invited back to high sessions. Yeah. I mean, it, it's true. Like, well, there's only a couple people at high sessions I think I would not work with. Again. I mean, and we've filmed like hundreds of people, right? Because like, I, you know, I've, I've been on boards of charity things where we're doing events and things like that. And, you know, they, there's discussions like, do we bring these people back for the next one? And like, well, they were difficult, this or that, or, you know, whatever. But so, yeah. Just, so be authentic, run it like a business and call people back. Yeah. Just that, that's pretty much it. And that does not just for musicians, man. Contractors are like that, too. As you know, or like a lot of people are like that. Yeah. And you can do it in a way that's pleasant in the sense that, you know, maybe you don't want to do that gig or you you don't want to do that job or something like that. And instead of ghosting the person, 
just say, I have another commitment at that time. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to do it. That, pe- people can accept that, right? But yeah. they, they don't like it when you don't call them back. They're trying to plan their thing. And then next thing you know, it's weeks later and they're scrambling. because you, That's you... actually not just musicians. <clears throat> it's funny because on that note, <clears throat> I have a person in town mm-hmm. that is the executive director of a large nonprofit that was asking me for some help with stuff. I did it. Yep. And then and then like ghosted me. <laughs> right. And I'm like, seriously? This is weird. Yeah. And I'm not used to that. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. It's kind of a thing. One of my big biggest pet peeves, you know? Because everyone's time is very valuable. So uh, I don't know. It's just to me it's a little bit disrespectful to ghost people. Maybe I've done it to other people. If I have, I'm fine. Well, the younger generation is kind of normal, though. No. That's like, true. For Gen Z, it's kind of just a normal thing. It's like, eh, no, I'm over it. And then you just, it's well, so, so they're cool with it. I think a lot of them, they just do it. It's well, normal. It's, it's because they don't have this type of interaction, right? Everything is text and an email. So if if you you just don't respond, and then that's it. That That's considered a no, you know, versus... Yeah, like you don't leave a voicemail. Like you just right. call, and then right. it's like, I called you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I called you. I tried to get back in touch. You didn't pick up. So that's it. Yeah. yeah. So it is different. Yeah. So real estate, how did the real estate thing come into play? So real estate, I graduated with a degree in teaching and then quickly decided that that wasn't going to be for me. And so I, you know, I spent a few months unemployed, which I always tell people, man, I was in the best shape of my life. Because I was, I would go to the gym every day and I'd work in the yard. So I was nice and tan and good looking. But yeah, I was looking all over. You're nice and tanned and good looking now. No, I'm not tan. I'm white. Lost my, lost my tan and uh, getting old. But, but anyway, my uncle, who was in real estate, said, hey, why don't you, do you try real estate? I'm like, I, I don't even know what, what that is, you know? She said, well, go take the licensing class. And so I, I said, okay. I had nothing else going. I took the real estate licensing class. And I was scheduled to take the mailman test, Mm -hmm. you know? And I thought, okay. So I made this like promise to myself. I said, if if I get through this real estate class and they don't offer me a physics job for school, you know, I was going to be a physics teacher, then I'll I'll do the real estate. And so I went through the whole real estate class. And then right when I got my license, I got a job offer from, I think it was Kyle Hale for physics. I was like, oh man, what do I do? But then uh, there, there was this guy, Rod Mukai, who uh, was my mentor and, and teacher in real estate for many, many years. Yeah, we ended up connecting. And I sat down with him and interviewed. And I, I just enjoyed talking to him so much. I'm like, okay, this is, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to give this a shot. And that's, that's history. So he was your mentor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I worked for him for nine years. Nine years. Un- under his like group. And it was great, man. It was such a good time. It's an interesting business. It's it's a very, it's a difficult business, but it, it there's a lot of fun in it too. You know, what, what have you seen in changes over the time period you've been in it? Oh man, it, it's interesting because everything has gotten a lot faster. Because you got to imagine, I started in 2003, which doesn't seem that long ago, but that's 20 years ago. So we didn't have scanners. Everything was faxed, if anything. So it's a lot of wet signatures. So it's a lot of driving. Like, I got to drive to Evan's house now, grab this thing, you sign it, then I drive to the other agent's office, drop it off because their deadline for offers is whatever, to 
oh, now we're going to scan this thing and email it back to, now it's DocuSign. I don't even scan it. It's all digital. It's just you sign it online, it just boop, goes, right? So a lot of the paperwork aspect of the job has has changed. And now, so now there's like a whole new industry of what's called transaction managers who basically handle your back end. Like so, a loan processor? Yes, kind of like a loan process. So once it goes into escrow, you give them the file, they kind of run with it, make sure that all the documents are signed and all that kind of stuff. And that that's a fee. So you're getting paid a little bit less, but they're taking a lot of that work off you. And so now I find I'm, I'm more, you know, doing the face-to-face kind of stuff, driving out to appointments. And there's oh, you high- can stay more productive. Yeah, stay more productive, but then also like add to customer service. I think nowadays clients are a little bit more like, they want you to do more and they want to see your face more. They want to see you around. Well, there's uh, so much more access to information for them. I mean, you're going to have clients coming in that some know more than the realtor. Yeah. And, and there's there's a lot that, that think they know more. more. So th- mm-hmm. that's one of the challenges, right? But yeah, you know, for us, like we try to be present at showing so that we can give good feedback and turn the lights on and stuff and just do, try to show more value, you know, help with the prep of the house and things like that, which... I didn't do as much before, but now that I have the well, extra time. So what makes one realtor better than the other? Well, it's a lot of things. I mean, okay, I'll, I'll talk about all aspects because there are a lot of good realtors. And I'm not going to say that just because I'm 20 years in the business. So in the beginning, you have people who are really hungry. You know, newer realtors typically will work and do things that older realtors will not do because just from a time constraint perspective. But, you know, they lack experience and you say, well, what does experience bring you? Well, experience to me is the, talking about earlier, is the prep and the expectation, setting expectations. As soon as I have a contract and as soon as I walk in a house, a lot of times I can see, I can anticipate problems that may be coming up. So I'm working on them behind the scenes early so that it doesn't come up as a surprise. Because the worst part is you get into a transaction and you think you're going to buy this house and then something happens, That right? But if you know it ahead of time, you can kind of plan for it and then either address it or address it in the pricing. So I'll give you an example. We, we had a, a house that had an unpermitted structure, which is very common in Hawaii, you know, unpermitted structure. But the person who was living in the house had moved the kitchen into the unpermitted area. And most people, I think, as newer agents, I don't know if they would understand this, but if you, have an, if you have an unpermitted area, that in itself is not a problem. But the way that the appraiser looks at that is that the kitchen, I mean, the unpermitted area doesn't exist, right? So technically that's not there on paper, right? So if you move the kitchen there, and it's an outdoor area, then technically your kitchen is sitting in your yard, right? And they're not going to give you a loan if you don't have a kitchen in the house. So it causes that kind of an issue. So I think, you know, having an experienced agent, you kind of solve for that early so that it doesn't become a problem later at the end. Because, you know, sometimes you get in a situation where you got to sell and if you're coming up with these things, now you're paying, right? You're, you're, you're foking over money because you didn't catch this thing earlier. So how much of your time are you spending on real estate and then how much of your time on music and high sessions and other stuff? Okay. So real estate takes up probably 70% of my time. 
And then 20% of my time is high sessions. 5% of my time is music and 5% of my time is family. <laughs> nah, I, I probably do more fa- the family stuff than that point. Like seven. But it feels like, yeah, it feels like I just am, you know, like encapsulated with real estate deals and, and high session stuff. So it, it it's mostly real estate and high sessions. The music stuff, like I'm at the point of my career now that if I can come and play and play what I play, then I will... I would gladly show up wherever you want, whenever you want, and I will come and play. But as far as like the creativity side on, on that side, like I just don't feel, I don't know. I just don't, I've lost, I've lost the the passion, I guess. I You've know. lost the loving feeling? Yeah, I've lost the loving feeling. You mean so, to create? Yeah. So the creation then moves into high sessions? Yeah. I think that's where I find my, that tickles that that nerve for me is on the high session side. And even in real estate too, I mean, I've, you know, real estate seems very businessy, and but there's a lot of creation in the sense that once you establish your business, you know, you can help other people. You can learn about different types of real estate. We're working on a, a building that's half commercial, half residential right now. That's kind of interesting beyond just the regular house kind of thing. What, so, do, you mean, what, what do you mean you're working on it and it's interesting? Well, we're going to be selling a, a commercial property out in in the middle of town, and it's got a commercial element where it's got um like you know downstairs there there's commercial space, so you can run business out of there. And now up top there's three housing units, so you can have rentals. Oh, like Rainbow Drive-in kind. Yeah, kind of like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So you know that's not something that I do every day. So you there's a little bit more to learn and and, and work on with that. So you know there, there's. You can be creative in real estate. And like, for example, like I have a new person that I work with. So, and she's relatively new in the business. So it's like bringing her on board, kind of training her up. And you get to see that excitement again through their eyes. So I find that to be quote unquote creative. So when you're mentoring the yeah. the new realtor, yeah. or the new real estate agent, what are the common things you're seeing that you have to teach that each of them have to kind of oh, learn? In the beginning, it's all technical. There's so much paperwork, you know, so much paperwork and especially like what you say to people because we are bound by certain ethics and guidelines. And for the most part, you can speak freely, but, you know, I can't say things like, oh, you know, if you buy this house, it'll it's going to appreciate like at least 10% in the next 10 years, you know, because we're technically not financial advisors, right? So you can't give out appreciation, you, you can't. You kind of make a claim. Yeah, you make a claim. And financial they, advice. And there's a ton of like those kind of things. Like like even technically in the MLS, you know, it says like, oh, five minute walk to the beach. I'm not supposed to say that because that's discriminatory against people who can't. Oh. You know, there's all yeah. these like little things. So in the beginning, it's a lot of like, how do you fill out the forms? What do you say to a proper person? Especially because, you know, you, you sit with a new client, they're asking a million questions and you don't know. So how do you answer that? kind of stuff? So there's a lot of training in that. In that aspect, mm-hmm. but it's fun, you know. I mean, Wait, it, so once they get through the, you know, the technical stuff of it, what's the, what are the kind of common okay, pieces so, that they all struggle with? Well, everybody. Should, I mean, even for myself, at this point in my life, to this point, is getting more business, right? So then it becomes a matter of, well, how do we get more business? There are people who do things like online leads, and, and they're very good at that, and they're. That's kind of their bread and butter. That's what they do. So then the then the the 
problem solving skill becomes like, how do we generate more online leads that I can grab? And how do I convert these online leads to sales, right? Personally, for me, my business comes from my sphere of influence. So it's all the past clients, people that I know. And so it's the challenge is, well, how do I keep in touch with all these people? Because over the 20 years, you, you get to a point where it's like, there's more people than I can, you know, technically touch every day. Mm-hmm. So we're having, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to invite your brother because he's a, a, a quote unquote client. But we're going to be, we rented out a movie theater. We're going to watch in, across the Spider-Verse, you know? So that's a fun way to do it. And then, of course, there's like more traditional ways of calling, asking for referrals, things like that. But that, that's, I guess, where the creative part comes in. Is it expensive right. to rent out a movie theater? It's not. It, it, well, I guess, I guess, it, you know, don't quote me on this because I don't know mm. exactly how much it costs. But it was, I think it was a couple grand, just over two. Mm-hmm. But then I'm doing it with a friend of mine, so we're splitting it. It's like a party, kind of, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like a, it's like a yeah. party. And then uh, you can choose whether or not you have the concessions open and things like that, and whether or not you're going to pay for that, or people are going to pay for their own. I don't know exactly because actually my associate was the one who i'm just going to write oh. the check i'm paying a thousand something or two something like that I, I, so so yeah. it's not too bad it's not too bad yeah i mean man the best was uh, i shouldn't say the best because it was kind of on a tragic side but during covid it was 300 bucks we did that a couple times where i rented out just a theater and because i guess people weren't going to the movies right yeah and then if you rent out the whole theater 300 bucks then you just bring in your people so theoretically they're all in this bubble. Oh, so you could bring like, like a hundred people or how many? I think people? it was like fifty people. Oh. You know, so it's half the capacity of because it was a small theater, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you could bring fifty, and like so, yeah. My my daughter had a birthday, so we watched the Spider Man, the the other one. Oh, you guys like Spider Man, I guess. Huh? I love Spider Man, and well, I used to like Marvel, but don't even get me started on Phase Four. It's it's been junk lately. Mm. I think. Although Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was good. That's what my son said, too. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see it yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how are you managing your family time? Your family time, what are you doing for fun? How are you managing that stuff? I always try to incorporate fun into work stuff. So, you know, like Spider-Verse is going to be fun, but it also has a work component to it. And then, you know, for high sessions, I consider that fun. So I don't really consider that work. Mm-hmm. So I don't do a lot of fun stuff, like pure fun. And then with the kids, it's more at this age, because my kids are teenager and going to be a teenager soon. It's really just whatever they're into. So like my son plays baseball. So I show up at, I can't make it to all of them because I do work a lot of weekends, but I'm there most of the time. And then my daughter is more, she goes here and there and is just trying to, trying to drive her when I, (laughs) I'm Mr. Taxi kind of thing. But, uh, you know, every year we do 10 weeks of summer which is for 10 weeks after school gets out, I make them watch old school pop culture movies. So we saw like Ghostbusters, Back to the Future, you know, all the old ones. So at least they know those references in life because I feel that that's important. I don't have to make my kids watch stuff. They just it do like make them stop watching no, stuff. No, okay. <laughs> Here's the problem with yeah. this generation, I think. I have a big pet peeve. They don't watch the movie. They'll see clips of the movie on TikTok and they'll be like, oh, I know that. I'm like, oh, you saw Die Hard? They're like, no, I didn't see the movie, but I I seen it on TikTok. You know, that's not the same. You got to watch the movie. You know, there's a whole context to the story. 
you can't just watch the yippee kaye mother effer part and then you know like that's all you know i get very passionate pop culture hmm. yeah why i don't know because i guess it raised me <laughs> you know along with my parents so i want my kids to have that same experience but they just poo poo it and i'm like oh man this is good stuff so you are 45 years old. What would you say has been your greatest challenge in your life so far? And how'd you overcome it? Well, I can tell you there, there were two times that I felt lost. Well, th- okay, three times. Uh, and this may come into more questions. So the, I'll leave the first one for the last because that's the most significant. But, you know, after I graduated from college and I decided I wasn't going to be a teacher, I felt pretty darn lost because I was applying everywhere and I had no, I had been playing music since I was 14, you know? So whenever I would sit down, I, I applied at the bank. I applied at this company that does expos. I applied all over the place and the people would be like, well, what's your work experience? I was like, well, I mean, I was a musician, but I was trying to explain to them that I managed bands. I produced projects, you know, like I produced CDs at that time. And I was like, you know, producing a CD is not just, you come in and do the Recording, you got to go out and promote. I, like I, no, no one would hire me, you know. So that was kind of a, a, a down moment. The other one is the breakup, breakup of pure heart. You know, like you, you put all of your effort and and life and energy into something, and then it kind of fizzles out within a few months, and you think like, I'm never going to be able to do anything successful again, or whatever. This is never going to happen, you know. Because, you know, you, you know the significance of it. I mean, it's kind of lightning in a bottle. But, uh, you know, life goes on. The third one, uh, most people don't know about, but I've, I've talked about it before, is when I was younger, in the sixth grade, I got bullied a bunch. You know, so now all the sixth graders go to intermediate school. But I was in the first class that ever tried it. So it was at New Valley, and... A bunch of us from different schools went to New Valley as sixth graders. We were the only sixth grade class. There were 27 of us. And that was the first in the state. It was an experimental thing. And I was part of that program. And it was 21 boys and six girls. And uh, it was just like the worst time ever, you know, just being picked on. And there's only one class, so there was really no escape. Yeah, that was a big turning point in my life, you know, In, in, in a weird way. Because yeah, I was very nerdy, right, in elementary school, and 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 then you get picked on for being a nerd, and then so now I I want to be seventh grade. I want to be like the coolest person in the world. So I'm obsessed with being popular and wearing the right clothes and doing the right thing and stuff like that. And then, then over time, you just like, hey, why don't I just be a normal, nice person? And then that you know, that's that's a transition. So I'd say those are the three kind of like big turning points, right? So how did they change your perspective then? Because the last one, I you kind of went from, okay, I'm kind of nerdy. I got to be not nerdy. So I'm be, try to be popular and then I just want to be me. Yeah. But then, how, so how did the other ones change your so, perspective or the way you do things now? So the Pure Heart Challenge, I guess, was, you know, I spent a good amount of time just kind of hibernating at home. I didn't want to go out see people or whatever it's kind of embarrassing too right it's very public it's in the newspaper that what that you guys are not a band anymore or what? yeah it was on the front page oh. of the 
star advertiser, Honolulu advertiser on Thanksgiving Day, you know. I remember, and I'll never forgive him for this because John Berger had got wind of it and had come to our house on the Wednesday, the night before, to interview us about the breakup. And, you know, we kind of like made our statements and stuff. And I remember my dad asking him, like, can you not publish this tomorrow because it's Thanksgiving and we're going to have the whole family over. And this is not something we want to be discussing at Thanksgiving dinner. And the very next day on Thanksgiving, it's on the very front page of the freaking newspaper. Yeah. Did you ever confront him? No, I never did. Because at a certain point, it's like, who cares? <laughs> it's been mm. so many years already or whatever. But but I'll never forget it. And that's when you learn about media and what you read in media. Because they always say, right, like, you don't realize how wrong media is or how inaccurate they are until it's about you. And so that's how I know, like, you got to read everything with a kind of grain of salt because you just never know what that actual story is. Anyway. That would adjust the way I would think about things. Because that's yeah. a pretty strong breach of trust. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, there, I'm, there are good journalists out there, but a lot of them, did. they want their story. They want to be the first to get the story out, you know, and stuff and still just screw you over. Just So how did you find out on that then? You picked up the paper on Thanksgiving? Yeah. You, you picked it up yeah, or what? right there. Well, at that time, it was still no internet and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we still, everyone still got the paper. So it came that morning. It's like, boom, right there, like on the front page. Was and it derogatory? Was, it's a lot of like half truths and stuff like that. And it had the the narrative of we didn't want to say like oh we all like are upset at each other and stuff like that so we just made the narrative that i had to go back to school which i was doing anyway you know but they kind of like made it really sound like it was my dad who like forced me to go back to school so there was a lot of like people talking later like oh that dad you know so he kind of took the brunt of it for so is that like sensationalized or just misinterpreted or what or yeah just, a little bit or maybe worse yeah a little bit misinterpreted yeah. i guess you know i mean they try to like they take both narratives and they try to make it into a story and some of it's just not not super accurate but so let's say that you're at a dinner party then yeah and that dude was, was sitting right in front of you. i've talked to him since then and i've oh. never brought it up i act like nothing's happened but oh so he doesn't even know he probably doesn't know yeah but oh. but who, at this point what, what difference does it make you know it's it's 20 years ago 23 years ago like makes a difference to you everything ended up okay you know i don't even interact with him anymore so so who cares is the guy alive i, I have no idea oh. i'm assuming he is like, it'd be interesting if he didn't well, even know like because we had no clue then you mm-hmm. find out later like you know what i mean like holy crap i that's the effect i had and i didn't mean that and you know what i mean that'd be an interesting one yeah but i mean the other thing was too like at that time he had a lot of power because there was he was the main media guy for the Honolulu Advertiser or Star Bulletin or whatever and everybody read his column there was there's only Wayne Harada was the only alternate too so I didn't want to go confront him and then now I'm I'm affecting other because I went into production after that so I'm bringing other bands trying to help other bands start right and I don't want them to get affected because I have a problem with this guy mm. you know so I think that was part of my thinking too so I just didn't say anything just talk to him about it on podcast 20 years later. <laughs> you might hear it. You never know. Yeah. So yeah. If, if he did hear it, if this guy did hear this yeah, and wanted to apologize or or reconcile this, then how well, would he do that? Go talk to my dad. Like, they're the ones who got hurt, not me, you know? So repair it with your dad. Yeah. And then you're cool with or that. Or my parents or whatever. Yeah. Because for me, like, it's one of those, like, I've 
cross that line off and it's done. It's like mm. passed already. So okay, yeah. So well, for for me, I don't I don't really care. Yeah, I mean, I still it's still in my head. Like I still remember because it was such a bad experience. But I'm sure my parents they're a little different. They still probably hate that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So, but the whole experience of the PR thing just made me well because then what happened was you know I finally get back out there. I'm playing with Justin Young, who's a friend of mine. Then I end up meeting up with Dennis Kamakai and David Kamakai, tour with them. That's a lot of fun, you know? And so the lesson I learned from that is like, you know, when, when these big things happen in your life, you just got to keep keep going. They, they work themselves out in their own way. You know, you may not have that same success, but you're going to have success. You got to believe in yourself enough to know that you're not going to be it's not like I'm shunned and I've never worked in the music business ever again. You know, I, you know, I still have stuff to do. Mm-hmm. So just got to just keep putting one foot in front of the other, you know? So if there was something helpful that came out of that, like how did, that serves you now from that, have, going well, through that experience, what would it be? Well, you know, I just had a big career change, move, move companies. And it, it's very scary to do that after being 20 years at one company and trying to move to another company but because of that other experience with pure heart and where i ended up i i'm i could do it and feel confident that as long as i continue to do a good job and continue to work hard that this is going to work itself out you know in the long run so it's just more like a perspective thing that i think you don't have when you're younger right mm-hmm. you think something and that's why like you know a lot of people like they break up with their girlfriend and just like I can't go on, you know, kind of thing. And and I'm making fun of them or anything because it's it's serious. But, you know, as you get older, you realize, oh, you know, things happen and, you know, there's bad things that happen and you you keep putting one foot in front of the other and eventually they get better and you get some distance from it and, you know, it works out Mm -hmm. in some way for some reason, right? Yeah, I mean, that makes sense because I, I talk to kind of a lot of people in regards to their lives or careers and so on. Yeah. And... Good and bad is just a judgment. Right. In a snapshot of time. Right. You know, somebody would say, oh my gosh, it's the worst thing that happened to me. I just got laid off or I split with my company or so on. And in the moment, it's really like, it feels terrible and painful and you would label that bad. But then they make some adjustments, something else comes down the line or so on. And then 10 years later, it's like, thank God that happened. Right. Because otherwise I would still be there potentially and not in these things that, that happen. You know, so... Like, like even for us, my, my wife and I, we were in California in 2000. We were mm-hmm. with a company, had a, all kinds of promises that did not come through, didn't work out, and we had to come home. And it was like, this is bad. You know, this is bad. I don't know what's going on. But then that's when we had seen Bubble Tea initially. Oh, yeah, out yeah. There. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then decided when we came back here, you know what? There's nothing here. Let's try and get this thing started. And that's like... 20 something years ago and that company is still going strong so you know you look back on it and say okay best thing that ever happened but you know at the time it was pretty darn painful i wouldn't have you know or even more than that actually that i'm thinking now is in 2018 when you know my wife got really sick and then i got second degree burns and then i got sick and then i broke my back (laughs) And people yeah. were like, oh my gosh, you know, you could say, oh, that was bad. But it set off probably the greatest period of like 
healing and personal growth that I've ever been mm. through. I wouldn't want to do it again, but I would. Right. Yeah. Well, it's inevitable, mm -hmm. right? These type of events are inevitable. And so it's just how you react to them because you can only control you, right? Can't. Well, I heard a really good saying too that is pain is inevitable, but suffering isn't. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Suffering isn't. Yeah. yeah. So if you take that into mind, like, okay, I can keep going, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it preps you because, you know, as we get older, you know, life life becomes harder, you know, as you, you start getting to the end there. So it's good to have that kind of perspective. Well, you right? and I, you just entered it and so on. I'm, we're in middle essence, right? So right, adolescence, right. which, you know, is a, a coined phrase that, that wasn't even around maybe, you know, a hundred something years ago, which is when, you know, you become a teenager, your hormones change, you become going from a kid to a, to an adult, you're going from, you know, your household into the real world, moving from, you know, non-working to, you know, a career, a job, you're moving out of your house, maybe, you know, back then probably, yeah, these days because the cost of housing, hmm, maybe not, but then... <laughs> You know, you're moving out, you're separating from your parents, and you're trying to trying to do that. Right, right, right. Middle essence, 45, your hormones are changing. Right. They're dropping, right? Right, right, right. Moving from the last stage of your career into the non-career. Parents are all getting older. So if they have not passed away or gotten sick or you haven't had to be a caregiver yet, that time is coming. Right, right. right. Kids are getting older, starting to move out of the house. There's all of these changes going on. So I think it's Chip Connolly who talks about this and he's the guy who started a huge, like, I don't know if it's huge, but he's like a boutique hotel chain and then he became one of the execs at Airbnb. Okay. So he shows that like your level of happiness in adolescence like drops and then it goes up after that and then your level in middle essence of happiness drops and then it uh, goes up kind of kind of after that. So a lot of, you know, it's been interesting because you figure, okay, you're 50, you should be at the height of your game, but a lot of times it's not always true you yeah know i mean you feel like i to me i feel slower i'm i'm not as sharp i'm my body is not as agile or as strong yeah it's definitely an interesting change so i guess yeah i guess a good podcast or something that to listen to would be like how do you prep for that because yeah I that's mean, what this podcast is is me search right yeah that's what yeah, our yeah. podcasts are me search looking for answers because I, I see it coming you know like my parents are getting older and i've you know the interesting thing about being in a real estate firm is the average age of a realtor is 55. Mm -hmm. All right. So all my, I was a very young realtor, kind of unusual, but I saw all my peers, all these guys are fifties and, and older had, they all had to take care of their parents at the same time they're paying for college. You know, that's why they kept working and stuff. And so I know that that's coming. That's part of the cycle that I'm entering into. And it's how you just prep, prep yourself for that because, yeah. I don't know if you can prep yourself for yeah. that other than have a proper support. It's almost like having a kid. Like you, people talk to you about it all the time, but you, you just got to kind of do it because just a, yeah, I don't you can't you can mentally prep. like prep yourself for the craziness that is parenthood. I guess if maybe you could prep, then maybe someone can tell me on how, how that would be done. But yeah. yeah, I think it's kind of, it's really about what kind of support I think can you, can you mm. set up during that process? Because your parents are still pretty healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. And then that's good. And, take advantage of that because yeah. because realistically you know as parents are getting older especially if you don't live next to them you don't have that much time like let's say somebody lives in the mainland i forget who was telling me this but they were like you know if some if you know let's say i live away from my parents and i see them for a few weeks a year because we visit or so on then if you aggregate you know you 
combine that into, let's say they live, I don't know, 10 years, you're really not talking about too much time. It's not right, really right, right. 10 years. It's the number of weeks. And then yeah. what state are they in? Because at the later stages, I mean, my father, you know, just passed away a few months ago. And the last bit of that was, it was not my father. I mean, like right, he right, was, right. but he wasn't, it was diminished. You right. know what I mean? He couldn't do anything. And, and it was just so frustrating for him and, and everybody right. around him to just feel that. Yeah, you're making me rethink. I made it a thing, and I, I got to admit to you, I've been bad on about it. But I, I thought, because my dad, 79, 79, oh. and he just told me, he's like, oh, you know, I'm going to turn 79 this year. I was like, what? Like, I, I still think of him as like a, in his 60s, but it, I guess obviously he's... And then you get to 80, that, that number in my mind is kind of a, like, a, oh, my gosh. Now, now you're like, you're old, 80, right? So I was like, oh, man, this year I better... Because you're right. I mean, I live very close to my parents. I see them often, but it's usually just to drop the kids off or pick the kids up. Yeah. And I walk in and I get some, I go and I get a snack and then I, I'm out of there. I'm like, I better kind of go there more and just hang out, you know, just sit around and watch TV or something. Yeah. I mean, just because they're <clears throat> physically alive doesn't yeah. necessarily mean, you know, there's people who are physically alive, but it's not the same. It's like, yeah, yeah. You, you go through these different stages of grief and it's like an anticipatory you know you start anticipating it and you feel like oh i already kind of grieving but that's not how and that's not how this thing works yeah because it's not you don't feel the finality till it's till it's yeah. done right yeah which is interesting to me because i always thought that i was going to just feel just pure relief my dad was suffering mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. and yeah and it was like oh my gosh this is just it is worse to be alive yeah to, yeah, yeah which yeah. is sad to say but it is and then but then when he actually passed, it was like the waves of grief were so intense, mm -hmm. so intense that I was surprised, actually. Like, I've been prepping for this right. for years. And so, you know what I mean? I trained in this area. I, wow. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that part is, is, is definitely super hard, especially if you have a close relationship with your parents, and especially if you don't. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's true. Because this is the time to get those repairs done, if possible. Right. Yeah. Well, you can. Yeah. And, and I guess my kind of paranoid, anxiety-ridden brain, that, that's why a lot of these types of the, the pure heart relationships and things like that, I, I can feel them eating at me, you know? And so I have to do something about it because it's always on my, on my mind. Yeah. I can't, can't get rid of it. So luckily right now, I don't feel like I have any of those out there yeah you know kind of kind of taking care of all of that's that a nice stuff. place to kind of be because yeah. because that's navigating life yeah you, you know what i mean except now i i except now maybe john john Berger might be upset with me <laughs> you know i wouldn't be surprised if this guy catches wind of this listens to it and goes i didn't realize that what was going on and reaches out to you or your father because the guy's probably pretty old right oh now. yeah he's got to be at least in his Six and although six, you know people as we get older we, we get a bit more set in your ways and so on yeah but I kind of find too that as people get older especially you know if, if you had a relationship with them they're more willing to kind of do the repairs needed right, right, because right. they're they know they're getting closer to death and they're right. thinking about that right and right, right, right they right. don't want to leave that way so these disconnections that occur that cause that kind of you know, pain or discord, we, they, they want to reconnect. Because at the end of the day, 
nothing that you have is go- you can take. So right. last year I had eight friends die. A good chunk of them my age. I mean, the only thing you can take with you at that point is your relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what is the most important. Th- yeah. That's what I'm saying too is is because I, I have a podcast, which I'll plug on this show, the High Sessions Hawaii podcast. Mm-hmm. But my two co-hosts, Devin and Kyle, they're a little older than me. So they're they're in the same same boat as you. So I mm-hmm. see that coming too. Which oh, is, so they're, they're old old futs then? Well, they're not, they're not that old, but... They're old. Like you. <laughs> <laughs> They've just had those kind of experiences too, all of a sudden. So I've been I've been hearing it from them too. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it is part of life, but yeah. I mean, we're all going to go through it. It, it yeah. reminds me of when I first learned to kite surf in 2004, I flew with my friend to North Carolina. It's called Cape Hatteras because it's you can you can learn really easily in the sound right there, which is that kind of okay. brackish water. So anyways, right up above there is a place called Kitty Hawk where the Wright brothers were okay. flying their first plane. And they would have these hang gliding kind of tours because they have these giant sand dunes. They're like these huge mountains of sand. So what you would do is you take the hang glider, you run off the thing and you go into it. And then the instructor guy, he's holding on to like a rope that's on the side. I don't know what the heck he's going to do with that rope, but but then you end up at the bottom. And then what you're supposed to do is you... You're supposed to push the thing out in front of you, and then and then it stalls a bit, and then you land. Like he did the way he did it looks so beautiful. You know he's gliding, and then he's gliding, <laughs> and he goes, Foof, and he lands like a butterfly. And you're like, okay, this is how it's done. So we go in order, right? I I think it's like probably like seven or eight people in front of me. Every single one of them crashed. Like <laughs> one looked like ah backwards. Like I was like, holy crap, can I get my money back? Like oh my god, but it's like. You know already, like chances are 100% of people crashing. You're going to crash. It's just how am I going to crash? And that's kind of how I feel in terms of this parent area, uh, right? It's like, it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. It's point. like Neo on that building, right? No one no one makes that jump on the first <laughs> first try, even Neo. Yeah. The crash is coming. Like, it's, I'm not looking forward to it. So you just got to do what you can now. Do what you can now. Make an adjustment now. Yeah. And it, but you take all of that energy and then you put it into the kids, right? You mean after they're passed away? Well, I, yeah. I mean, you take the grief and try to turn it into something positive and hopefully that goes into the next generation. I mean, that... try to. The, <laughs> the grief expert that I was listening to, he said that that for grief to heal, you need it, your grief to be witnessed by others. Oh. And that witnessing mean, needs to be in non-judgmental, no, you know, categorizing it you just letting it letting it express mm. how it's expressed like i know for our for my dad's funeral we were going back and forth on are we gonna have a visitation line this and that oh, do we want to but then i know where i stand on it now initially i was like eh, i don't know about that but now it's like no let's just do it because other people need to express their grief oh, oh, I let see. us express ours and let us all witness it together i, I mean it's a, a tradition for a reason probably yeah and then let's That's see true. if we can get it get it get it done almost like pulling the band-aid off one time versus you know a little bit at a time yeah 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 that makes yeah. sense i don't know that's my thought we'll see <laughs> <laughs> it's the experiment see how that goes so as we kind of wind this thing down because we've been talking for kind of a long time i appreciate you having me on it's kind of fun well yeah i know it's fun and thank yeah, you for coming on our and podcast being, we're always interviewing being. other people so i never you know i i try to talk over people but i'm not, I'm not good at it <gasps> Your brother, your brother's good at talking over other people. Is he? No, I'm just kidding. 
Yeah. So, your brother, I, I love your brother. Mm-hmm. He's one of the, the coolest people that I know. You're the one that loves him? I am the one that loves him. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> I, I find He's him to be guy. one of the best. About? Like he, he makes my life better. I'll just put it that way. I mean, isn't that what it's about, right? Yeah. In yeah, yeah. Re- relationships in general is if you're around someone, all they do is suck your energy and take, then <laughs> yeah, that's probably not the person you want to hang out with. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 So, you know, how we, do you remember how you met? I met you at that one yes, mixer I, thing yeah, in exactly. like, downtown or whatever. And I was like, hey, you should talk to my brother. Yeah. Yeah. You, you are the impetus of me meeting your brother and high sessions becoming financially feasible. Wow. So if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't. Those two things would have never happened. We'd probably be. Done. We probably would have stopped high sessions in 2014 or something. Wow. Yeah. So interesting. You've to allowed hear that us to go stuff. on for another 10 years. And and hopefully further. Hopefully more. Yeah. Yeah. Because especially now, as I'm re-entering into this realm of content creation and so on, I'm just training it differently. Like this is my kind of expression to be able to connect with people in a different way, and it puts me into a, a format that I make that happen right during covid and i'm pretty social i mean i would say my networking abilities are fairly high yeah but after covid i was like i even found myself having a tough time re-engaging yeah and i'm out there yeah so like you know it's i can't be the only one and so this brings a way to reconnect to connect and that's what it's all about like i've really narrowed everything down in into like one word which is connection and that comes from same so i have the shirt here right it showed you before it's aloha shirt it's like the hidden meanings in the in the orange right you have the a and the l and if you're Mm -hmm. just listening to it i guess you got to look at the video but but this was done by my friend pono shim one of the guys who passed away last year that's right yeah and uh, pono used to always talk about Connection versus correction. Connection versus correction, right? We all are wanting and needing connection. And the way you kind of mess that up is always trying to correct. Mm -hmm. So I've thought about that so much that that is like by far the North Star crux of everything that I do nowadays is based around connection. So that's connection with you, connection with me. Me and me, me and my work, me and my family, me and the universe, me and what, you know what I mean? It's the connections. Because you can tell when those are weak, that's when there's problems. Mm-hmm. Me and my body, you know what I mean? Yeah. When the connection there is weak, you have a problem. You stretch? Do I stretch? Yeah. Did you see all those things over there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Like I have yeah, these man. long, me, I try, yeah. Once you turn 40, stretching is very important. But you know that's how my brother hurt himself, right? Is that how? Yeah. Oh. He was stretching during like warming up for PT and then he, he pulled out his back again and then oh. he was like one month out. Yeah. It was from the tragic, tragic PT stretching. PT stretching. Yeah. Everything gets you, man. Yeah. So is there anything that you wanted to mention? No, no, that's it. I, I just, I, I enjoy doing these types of podcasts. I very, I very rarely get asked to be on podcasts, even though I'm on a podcast. And so just you having me here is quite an honor and, and I appreciate you okay. listening well, to my story. I just want to spend some time acknowledge you, John. You've been a good friend, not just to me, but to my brother and, Thanks, and people that I know. I know you as somebody who is selfless. You will work extremely hard, spend your own money to help others. 
and a cause that is meaningful to you. Thanks. So yeah, yeah. I just wanted you to know that. Thanks. And 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 again, you've always been there for me, man. And and yeah, all the high sessions thing blew my mind. You blew blew my mind with that. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a good run. It's been a good run. And I, I I thank you for having me on. Okay. And then how do people find you if they want to find you? I would say just Google my name. Like there's so many, you can find me musically, videos, you can go, I'm sure my real estate website pops up when you Google my name. John Yamasato. John Yamasato. Yep. And Y-A-M-A-S-A-T-O. Yep. First name J-O-N. Yep. Yeah. No H. Nope. Yep. And it just, uh, there's, there's a ton. I'm, I'm not, I'm not hard to find. My okay. phone number is out there. My email is out there. Like it's easy to find me. There's there's no way people should have a hard time. Okay, cool. Appreciate it. All right, man. Thank you. Well, until the next one. Yeah, for sure. We'll see how this comes out. <laughs> if you resonate with Greater Good Radio, please join our community at www.greatergoodradio.com where you can get access to exclusive content and offerings. Hope to see you soon.